0: Okay. <laughs> Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, May 3rd, 2019. I am Dave Biddle, very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker. Jay Book, uh, let's start off with a prediction, my man. Um, Looking at the 12-game regular season for Ohio State, how many wins do you think the Buckeyes will get in the regular season?
1: Right now, uh, my prediction is 11-1 with Ohio State. I think there could be some form of a trip-up along the lines. Ohio State seems to have some type of trip up with someone that they shouldn't. Uh, I think just in college football, anybody can be got. Uh, But I think this team, top to bottom talent-wise, is still the most talented football team in the Big Ten. I like Ohio State uh, offense as far as being the most dynamic in the Big Ten, and I think the defense is going to be vastly improved. Um, Overall, I think that Ohio State is going to out-athlete a lot of a lot of teams, and I think with the talent and the depth, no one can match up to them. So my prediction is eleven and one. I don't know who they would lose up lose to, but I think some game will be a a, a close game, a nail biter that they could uh, stub their toe on. It's just been the way the, the things have gone against Ohio State these last several years. Every team treats that game like it's their Super Bowl. If it's a Purdue or uh, a Nebraska, you never know who is going to be. I think there's a, a a couple hurdles in October that the team would need to battle through, but I think they can make it through. I would say watch out for Cincinnati early on because this this football team is going to be uh, getting their feet wet with the new quarterback, the new staff. Obviously, they should blow uh, blow out game one, but Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman they're going to come into the shoe. They're going to have that football team ready to go. They're going to be playing like it's the Super Bowl. I think Ohio State will win. I think it will be a, it's going to be a battle uh, once they get into the Big Ten regular season. I look for the defense to be uh, much more improved, which will give the, op- the offense uh, more opportunities with the football because the defense is going to be able to get off the football field.
0: I'm with you. I, I like eleven and, and one as well. That's my prediction. And I, to be honest, if I had to pick one or the other between ten and two, and and twelve and zero, I'd go ten and two. I, I really would. And, and that's still over the Vegas over under is nine and a half at last check. So, um, yeah. I, but I think eleven and one is is what is what's going to happen. But I do, I do not see them going undefeated. I think there will be at least one slip up along the way, as you said. Um, I want to get into your biggest concerns and what you feel best about regarding this team. We'll start with the negative. Um, offensively, um, what's your biggest concern when you look at this team, Jay book
1: Yeah, I, you know, if you'd asked me two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, I would have told you quarterback. But I feel a whole lot better about that position group after getting the grad transfer. That's going to provide some depth there because, obviously, Ohio State, they, they want to run some quarterback zone read. And Justin Fields had already said that's going to be a major emphasis uh, in their playbook, in their game planning. And it made me a little uneasy uh, knowing that that's going to be a heavy part of the offense when you didn't have a viable backup quarterback. Uh, if he went down, then, you know, you're talking about uh, 11-1, 10-2 season to potentially, you know, 8-win uh, season or a 9-win season hanging on by a thread. But I feel better uh, about that position after the grad transfer came in but my biggest concern when it comes to the offense is the running back position. I think that they need—they have a lot of bodies behind J.K. Dobbin that haven't done anything at this level. And he can't be the one who's carrying the ball 90, 95% of the time. Demario McCall needs to get healthy. It's either shit or get off the pot for him right now because he, he's losing his eligibility. I think he has the potential to be a heck of a, a Swiss army knife in this offense. I know that Tony offer is very high on Demario, but the kid cannot stay healthy. He missed pretty much all of spring football because of injuries. Uh, hopefully as he goes into fall camp, he's healthy, but master Teague, they're going to need him to step up. So I think that's my biggest question, Mark. And uh, You have Marcus Crawley, the freshman. I thought he looked pretty, pretty good in the spring game, but he's raw. I mean, when you're running an offense under Ryan Day, you're going to have to have guys that can pass protect. Pass blocking is not a major strength of DeMario McCall, and J.K. Dobbins cannot be on the field 100% of the time.
0: And defensively, what is your biggest concern when you look at this squad?
1: I would say on, on the defense, I actually feel really good about the defense considering the amount of talent that is coming back as far as starters and personnel and I think you're going to see a major improvement when it comes to the coaching staff. If I had to pinpoint one position group, obviously, I'm still going to flash the light on the linebacker core. I think Al Washington will get them playing at a high level. Uh, I know a lot of people is waiting to see how that unit actually performs under new leadership with Tough Borland being healthy. How will his game enhance because he needs to have a, back, a bounce back year. But I think the younger guys that are behind the veterans is really going to provide a major push for that unit. So just having uh, those bodies there that they believe that's going to be able to be major contributors is going to be big. Because one of the problems that you saw in years past is even if a guy wasn't playing up to that high level, there was no one behind them that could could really push them or rotate in when a guy was struggling. It was either Feast or Femin with the linebacker core. And now that they got some younger guys that they're feeling pretty good about, I think that's going to really bolster that linebacker room.
0: Now let's get to the positive stuff. Uh, what you feel best about when you look at this team? Um, let's start with the offense again. Uh, when you look at this team, what do you feel best about?
1: Obviously the, the, the obviously the wide receiver unit. Uh, you got some veterans coming back. I think it's an outstanding coach position group. I think Brian Hartline is is an absolute star to make him We're very fortunate to have him in this position that he's in, and I think the development for that wide receiver group is going to continue. They have some younger guys that they're very high on. When you bring in the five-star number one wide receiver from Texas, and he's probably going to be the – you know, fourth or fifth option in this, in that room, you have to feel pretty good about that. And he's a major talent that I think we'll see the field right away. It could be a difference maker. And I think you have some veterans and Ben Victor and KJ Hill and Austin Matt who really want to make a name for themselves. Uh, They need to get uh, an outstanding uh, year under their belt in order for them to bolster their draft status. And then you have a guy in Chris Alave who's coming back from injury Can he carry over what he did last season into this season? And if he did, he's going to be a household name nationwide in college football. So you have to feel really good about the wide receiver position and all of the talent that's in that room being coached up by by Brian Hartline.
0: I know I'm throwing you a softball here, but uh, what do you feel best about defensively?
1: Uh, I'm going to tell you, I actually feel really good about the defensive backs. Uh, Okay. uh, I thought you were going to yeah. say defensive line. Throw, you're throwing me a yeah. curveball. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I mean, the, the easy the easy answer would have been the defensive line, but I'm actually going to say the defensive backs. I feel really good about Jeffrey Akuda. I know uh, some NFL uh, mock drafts and some personnel believe he's a first-round corner, and you have a, a guy in Sean Wade who's going to be able to play inside or outside with his length. I know a lot of people – uh, are not They're not very high on Damon Arnett, but the fact that you have a guy who has valuable uh, leadership experience as well as playing experience, playing a cornerback position, is going to provide uh, a lot of solid depth there. And then you have your two remaining safeties uh, coming back, a guy who was an all-Big Ten player. I think Jordan Fuller is going to be uh, much better this year. And overall, I'm really bullish on that defensive back unit because I think halfway is really going – to give put them in an opportunity to get the football. That was the thing in previous um, staff under Greg Chiano is those defensive backs had no idea where the ball was at. I think you're going to see uh, this unit uh, limit the pass interference penalties by grabbing uh, and not being disciplined with their techniques. And I think you're going to see a lot more turnovers coming from that defensive back room.
0: All right. Final thing. Uh, We had the Joshua Perry show earlier this week that, uh, you know, had a lot of uh, comments uh, and the crux of the show. The big question was, should college football players get paid? Obviously, Joshua played at Ohio State, brings in tons of money. You played at Ohio University, a school that I don't know. I mean, maybe they make money off the football program. I don't know. Um, But um, should all college football players, I mean, Division One, FBS, should all college football players get paid, Jay Book?
1: I agree with Josh. I think they should get paid. I mean, if you look at Clemson and Davos, he just signed a $94 million contract. That's big time money. And that's off the backs of his colleagues, football players. I was listening out here in Phoenix. I was listening to Fox sports and they were uh, talking about Reggie Bush and uh, USC. And essentially Reggie Bush was paid 300,000 and it wasn't even from USC. It was actually from a sports agent. And essentially, the argument and the crux of it was is that 300000 that Reggie Bush received was pretty much a drop of the bucket of what USC as a whole made off that run uh, from him and his Heisman campaign and Pete Carroll and those teams that uh, were championship-caliber programs at USC. To me, I don't think you can pay those guys while they're still enrolled in school. I think there should be some type of system that – They have some type of funds waiting for them post-graduation. So if a kid is able to graduate and earn their degree, money that was made can be escrowed into uh, some type of account for those kids that once they graduate from college, they can receive that money. So I think that would be a way to entice kids to get get their education, get their degree, and have a little something to look forward to to start their life out in the actual real world. Um, obviously, you know, when you're dealing with payments, there's going to be all kinds of title IX issues that comes up and how how can you pay the football team and not the softball team? Um, but I think with the TV, the TV deals and the money and the revenue that Ohio State is generating from the football program, I think there should, there should be something at the end of the rainbow for those guys.
0: Great stuff as always from Jonah Booker. Thank you very much, Jay Book. And thanks to all listeners out there for tuning in the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land.